0: Welcome to We Solve Problems with your host, James D. Bennett II. In each episode, we'll share educational insights to motivate manufacturers to innovate. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on www.inovativsolutions.org. Now, here's the host of We Solve Problems. James D. Bennett, II.
1: Good morning and welcome to the We Solve Problems podcast, where we inform of the existing technology, the trend of the R&D for that technology, and the financial incentive to help mitigate risk of innovation. I'm your host, James Bennett. Today we are talking about commercial, commercializing new technologies into new and complementary businesses with Mr. Greg Jones, who is the Honor General Manager and President of the firm PL. mister Jones, could you give us a brief summary of your background, please?
2: Sure. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, yes, I um, have spent a significant part of my career in the investment banking world, uh, underwriting deals and mergers and acquisition, And then the other half of that was I was the uh, President or the General Manager Of a new ventures group of a major manufacturer where we would look at new ventures and new opportunities and licensing technology to bring to scale as well as to commercialize into other business units so we were the intra intra venture arm of a large manufacturer
1: okay and that is why it's important to hear what you have to say today (laughs) glad to offer a few thoughts (laughs) good To put today's podcast into context, over the past few decades we have witnessed an increase in investment in technology entrepreneurship, the founding of startup firms, developing inventions with potential commercial applications. Because of their youth and small size, new innovators have little experience in the markets for which their innovations are most appropriate and they may have several technologies at the stage of potential market introduction. For these firms, A key challenge is how to translate promising technologies into a stream of economic returns for founders, investors, and employees. In other words, the main problem is not invention, but commercialization. Today, we will offer insight identifying the key drivers of startup commercialization strategy and the implications of these drivers on industrial dynamics. The framework links strategy to the commercialization environment and strategic conditions facing a firm. Translating an idea into a proposition of value for a given market. To begin the dialogue, let's define the topic. Well, Mr. Jones, can you tell us what is the commercialization of new technology? So the commercialization
2: of new, varied descriptions and identifications, but I would say the commercialization of new technologies is the opportunity to identify a concept and or a thought or concept to take that thought and concept to prototype, to get um, a number of people to experience that prototype and experience um, your idea and your concept, and then to lead it to the next stage, which would be uh, sort of from prototype to beta test to commercialization, which may be the first contract opportunity. But I see commercialization as a more mature stage. I see those early stages as testing and prototyping. In developing the market, I see commercialization as when there's certainly more than one and probably multiple customers of the product that you have developed.
1: I see. Well, now, several factors have been identified over time uh, as difficulties of technology commercialization. So what are some of the problems in technology commercialization? In other words, what are some of the value propositions in the new concepts and ideas?
2: Yeah, I think the uh, some of the challenges is really just re- what you spoke about, is a value proposition. Um, you know, all ideas, and I'm a victim of this of my own thinking sometimes, not necessarily as, really as a product, but all ideas may not be received by the market as well as you think they should be. And your being a market of one does not justify the development of the technology or the commercialization of it. You know, it's the, um, the old phrase of, does the tree make noise when it falls in the forest if you're not there? Well, you don't know because you're not there. So does the technology have value if it is not in the marketplace or not been received or voted on, quote unquote, voted on by the marketplace? So I believe that that uh, some of the, the challenges is just that. It is really getting to a point where you look to the market to solve a problem. And sometimes, sometimes, I think we get a number of inventors or creators that get to the path of creating the best widget, and they should, they should. However it is not without, it uh, can't be done in a vacuum. You can't go down to engineer or develop a 100% perfect product, A, because you don't have unlimited time, and B, you don't know whether the market will accept it. So I say spend significant time on developing the value prop of the, of the item, the concept, the innovation. But your best lab, your best lab for your product is the marketplace. And you've got to get into the marketplace to, to, um, to have folks test, understand, and give your opinion so you can rework it. Product and development uh, comes from the marketplace's response to your original idea.
1: I see. Okay, then with, with that, let's say our invention is not better than the existing technology. Mm-hmm. And the problem that's being solved is not much bigger, faster, stronger, more powerful. But that doesn't mean that it's not a good idea. It just may mean that it's difficult to sell. So now, what are some examples of challenges faced in business development and relationships versus technical product or concept appeal?
2: I I think it is really, you you mentioned Q, I think it's really business development. Um, You know, Apple started with small computers or small desktops. They weren't the only one. There have been multiple uh, software approaches so the idea that they are competing products in the marketplace can be good. Um, it is good, should say that. It is good because it allows one to refine. So you may not have to be the only one. No reason to be monopolistic. And if you get too big, the federal government doesn't like you to be monopolistic. So you don't have to be the only one. But I think you can carve out specific niche that you can pursue. And perhaps your product may be or your invention may be similar to the person down the street. However, there may be some other value that you bring. You may be quicker to the market. You may be more responsive. You may fit fit a, a corporate social responsibility interest of the customer. So you can have two products. Um, the world in the US is made of multiple products that basically serve the same thing, competition. It's just a matter of how you develop and how do you nurture your client base to help you continue to develop. And then you may develop some aspects of that product that may be better than the com- competitors that you fit into. And it could be something social. It could not necessarily be technically. It could be the fact that I like this product because it has some sustainability involved. I like this product because, you know, it's the, uh, they don't need me to give them everything. It's the Tom's Shoes approach. Buy one, I give one away. So there's something that's appealing and not necessarily may be the uniqueness of the technology. It may be the whole Business brand that you sell to your customers.
1: Yeah, yeah, Now, with those inventions and getting to, getting it to the market, all those products, services, and innovations—they all begin with an idea. But as a scientific product, they're going to require more discovery work up front, a lot more R and D to, to put up for to put put for your best effort to the market. Now, what is the commercialization process, and what? Is considered a successful process that brings an idea to market. In other words, how do we get in the market and test the concept?
2: Yes, I, I, I agree with you. you need um, you certainly need support in terms of research and to get to the commercialization. And this is where sometimes inventors and creators may look to partners or may look to other entities. You find a lot of new products and new entities may be looking for that strategic investor. The key, I think, is folks, the strategic investment can add to research and development and it can also add to commercialization. The key is what lanes are they going to play in? You, as the creator of this particular uh, new, uh, I don't want to say widget, it kind of like the means it, but this new idea, this new concept, you are the creative mind behind it. You're the visionary behind it. But the partners may bring something else. Someone may bring capital, to help you refine some additional ideas that you would like to uh, add to your product. But you may not have the capital because you're at that early stage. And after family and friends and maybe some angel investors, you really don't have the capital that's required to invest. The key is when you seek capital from a strategic or corporate uh, investor, whether you still maintain and own the creative aspect of your invention, one. The second part is channels to market. So I think corporate and other investors bring two resources, the ability to provide additional research so that you can enhance your product and your vision and the ability to have a channel to the market um, to get into their sales channels, which allows you more uh, access to different markets and allows the market to respond to your product. But in doing all of that, one of the key aspects, I think, is being sure where the venn diagram overlaps we've got all of these players where in the middle is the sweet spot and if you're a sweet spot a lot of inventive people not all but a lot of inventive and creative people are good at what they have done created the idea and the concept they may not be good at getting additional research to enhance the the product they can build additional products but they've got to figure out ways to get the other dollars and they may not be good at the whole business development and the sales channel so understanding that sharing in that with other players may offer a huge value proposition, not only to the market, but to you as a residual of being uh, more more attractive in the marketplace.
1: So then just to kind of sum things, I think the commercialization process then would be something to the effect of Mm -hmm. R&D. You wanna assess it, assess your product or process. And then you wanna try to protect it by patenting it or something of that of that nature, then prospect the market, see who might be interested in it. Once we find that, then we all try to license it to somebody to uh, get it out to the market, and then monitoring it to see how, what it does in the market. Is that pretty much the...
2: I would agree with those stages, and, and in that order. Uh, you certainly, as you develop some, you certainly want to protect it, um, because as you go to get research dollars and as you go to get other commercialization partners, you wanna be sure you are protected. And the only thing you really have at that point is the idea and the concept and the protection from the federal government that someone can't really duplicate your idea and concept. And when you go to look at, and I did this in large part in my corporate world, when you go to look at, when we went to look at investing in ideas and concepts, we were certain sensitive that was there a patent, is it protected? Because if it's not protected and we go with a mass uh, commercialization of it, you can bet that somebody's going to try to come close to recreating what you have done. Yeah. And so venture capitalists are always understanding what is the protection that you have. And sometimes the protection is only as good as your law firm that you're going to have to fight to fight the different color, the different widget, or the different on-on switch that you put on your particular item. But I think what you laid out is absolutely that. Build a product, then you're going to um, you know, do your own do research and fine-tuning it. You want to look for commercialization aspects of it to move the product along.
1: Let's see. Um. What about just say, for instance, you have an idea and you and, and you don't actually protect it. It may it just may be a trade secret. Would, would you recommend that? I mean, would you recommend actually going through the patent office and patenting the idea?
2: And then. Well, I you know um, I'm a little in, indifferent here. Um, you know, um, and, and and certainly would advise folks to certainly seek out their legal counsel. But I think the um, the the trade secrets versus patent provides a little bit more. Patent provides a little bit more protection than just a trade secret. I think of trade secrets as items that corporations have created that talk about the process of developing something. Now, this may not be the legal term, I get it. it, may not be, but I look at them just as that, trade secrets. They are things about where we process a multitude of events or activities or products into a marketplace. I see the patent as the protection of that particular item into the marketplace, so it's a slight difference there. And I would think that. Um, You want to spend your time wisely here. If if you develop a product, you want to say how long does the patent process take, do I have something that can be, uh, that I can uh, get a patent on, but at the same time I want to move forward with certain items. You may be able to commercialize your product and your idea and work with a true partner that might be able to take on the. Getting the patent for you or protecting it, depending on where you want to be, um, and and not lose out. That that becomes in terms of your negotiating the right opportunity, as you transfer some of that responsibility to someone else. Yeah. I think what inventors and creators really understand: what is my sweet spot? And my sweet spot, or and if I use myself as example, my sweet spot is probably in the business development and commercialization. Okay. Not necessarily on the creative side, but I've been on that where I've viewed creative. Someone else's sweet spot may be the creative and the ingenuity around an idea. So how do you partner them and where do you spend the time best for you? So if your time is on creation and development and ideas and concept, that's where I think you should spend time for. Because when you get outside of that comfort zone, you start to navigate in spaces that take away from what you're truly good at. And it frustrates you that you now got to work on other areas that takes away from what you could be doing elsewhere. Just my thought process on how folks and how inventors, because as uh, as early inventors, I'm uh, certain they can be uh, um, bogged down. Look, I have a lot of social entrepreneurial ideas that I have, and I get bogged down with them on occasions. Yeah, and so I can imagine that as you build in one product, because creators like to build, they like to build, they like to create, they like to build, they like to create. They may not like to market and sell and do the legal work. So we got to figure out where that is, and how do they maintain the value in what they've created is the key aspect.
1: Yeah, well, those now that's, those are good insights. I appreciate that that uh, that dialogue there um, makes you wonder how Coke has been so successful over, over these years. with What is trade secret, man? That's- <laughs> you got it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's is somebody will uncover it. You know, they tried Gusto, they tried to change it a few years ago, right? And then the market responded. So that's why I say you got to get into the market. So they did something in the lab, uh, you know, perfect example. They did something in the lab. So we're going to come up with a new formula. They put it in the marketplace and the market responded in an uproar. They went back and says, "Oops." and if Coke can do that with the billions of dollars, you can yeah. imagine what a small or what an uh, entry level entrepreneur might want to do. So you may want to get to the market sooner than later just to test it out, because as you start to grow, others are going to wonder what has been your attraction and what has been your
1: uh, opportunity to refine. And yeah, well, that's what I usually to tell people who have ideas. You know, if they want to get out, they have to fan on hurry to get up, get in the market. I say, hey, look, if you do it, you need to get out there real quick and make a real hard run for the first five years before somebody catch up with you. Maybe sooner now, but sooner or later, somebody's going to jump on the idea with you, and uh, they're going to give you a lot of competition. You know, Listen, so- your
2: patent becomes your patent becomes, or, or your your idea becomes valuable when someone else sees the market traction that you have achieved. Yes. my opinion. So you can develop, I can develop a new widget here Mm -hmm. and go out and get a patent and it gets no market traction. Okay. But I got a patent. I got a patent on something that really the market hasn't received or bought into. Now I can develop widget B with no patent, go out in the marketplace and it's gangbusters, right? It's going. It's right. got five years run of sales, it's running. At that point, that's when someone is going to try to start to duplicate it, right? And yep. so it's sort of like, do you go and spend all your time, get a patent that may not be as valuable? Patents are only as valuable, in my mind, to the market that really wants to buy the product. Absolutely. So if you're developing a product, if you're developing a product and you want to go to the market with it, then it becomes valuable when everybody wants it. Nobody's going to copy anything that nobody's going to buy. So, so, so you right. got to figure out where you want to spend your time and energy. And I say you got to get that vote of confidence from the market
1: early. Would you say that five year period is a, is the, is the uh ideal buffer before people jump on it and try to? Because you got that R and D. Because the other people out there that's just trying to copy the idea, you, you, they have to perfect it to their specifications. Then you yeah. have no idea you you're out there already. So how about how long before the competition yeah it's it's hard I think it's more
2: of an art than it is a science mm-hmm. uh of the timing, but I think five year period is a good time period, and it flies by, believe it or not right. yeah. um you know and that's why they say you know people say, well you need three years of business, I think you need a little bit longer than three years of business because right. you get the first year just working on an idea, the right. second you're trying to figure out whether someone really wants it or thinks about it. the third year you got some other opportunities to try to go sell it. And so I think in year 4 and 5 you begin to start to hit some traction, you start to see whether there's some value add in what you have. Um you look at a lot of business sustaining businesses and they will say well look I remember the first 5 years I did this or the first 3 years. So a lot of people who don't get the 5 year mark mm-hmm. um you know or haven't gotten to the 5 year mark yet they they really haven't reached a point of critical mass of challenges and persevering through some of the issues that they will face. And I think, uh, not unless somebody comes up with something immediately. Sometimes they're flash in the pans where people buy it instantly and then they go away. But in order for you to have sustained business, I think it takes a solid time period. And I say three to five years is probably a good
1: time period. Okay. Good. Yeah. But at this point, can you tell us about a project that you work on? Uh, And and what are some of the uh, process elements that you leveraged to make the uh, project successful?
2: Yeah, I would say, um, and and one of these was a technology in the aerospace world. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a technology, um, and I'm a non-engineer. So for all the engineers in the audience, uh, don't laugh at my explanation. It's more commercial uh, than that. This was an idea about pulse detonation and post-detonation creates a wave it's like a spark plug that creates a wave well we worked with and partnered with and and basically acquired a company that had this technology early on in the research phase looking at some government grants because this wave that created from this post detonation which think of a spark plug creating a, a pulse, this wave could propel engines into faster speeds so the idea is That as opposed to a turbine engine with with moving parts, that this pulse detonation could really create the speed that one would want. We then acquired the technology and realized that there were alternative uses for this wave. One of them, which was cleaning coal-fired boilers. So this wave that created could also do other things that have been tested in other countries. So we worked with the company after we acquired them to try to transfer the technology and build a new business around using this wave in alternative industries, in alternative, uh, in in a coal-fired boiler industry. And so we looked at what the market appetite was, uh, how do we sense the market, but it's really around prototypes and testing and providing customers because in the early stages of a new product, of a new innovation, the customer is not going to be a paying customer initially. So I would encourage folks in your audience to think about this. If you're developing a product and a service, you're going to have to give it away. You're going to have to let folks uh, give it away, quote unquote. You're going to have to let folks test it. You're going to have to let folks um, see it, touch it, feel it, use it in their system. And that's a part of the the funding that you need. And so we were able to utilize that with some of the corporate dollars to get this technology transferred into a different industry. But it took us a while. It took us two to three years. took some testing. Uh, allow customers to value it on their own time to see some of the experiences that they would have from it. Uh, But again, that's during that commercialization period and that testing period.
1: How how well did it do?
2: Did well. Did well. Still going on. Um, um, You know, everyone likes to hit the grand slam, knock the ball out of the park. Um, Baseball, sorry about the baseball analogy, but the person that hits the ball out of the park also strikes out a few times, right? Because they're swinging hard. Um, so this was probably in the neighborhood of getting lots of singles and doubles and creating a solid traction around whether uh, coal-fired boilers would really want to uh, engage with this technology, because they would set some competing technologies as well. So enough to sustain itself to keep it going. Okay, that's
1: great. Great. Well, given AI and uh, 3D printing and things of that nature, what excites you most about the trend of commercialization? And uh, what keeps you up at night when it comes to major situations or predicaments of commercialization?
2: Yeah, I think um, I'm not too sure that things that keep me up or keep me awake about commercialization, mm-hmm. I think it is really uh, a large part about the value proposition. And I think sometimes that commercialization and value proposition aren't necessarily aligned. And I think if you've got a strong value proposition, the commercialization will somewhat, somewhat start to take care of itself. But if you work on commercialization without a very value proposition, I think it's a short lived product or short lived business. And so I think the thing that if anything keeps me up is how do we continue to refine the value proposition? And as the marketplace moves, as, a, as things happen, what is our value proposition? You mentioned AI and other things and, and, uh, and printing. As the market moves, what's, if I have a product or service related to that, how do I adjust? What is my value proposition? Because your value proposition changes, maybe not every day, but it changes as the market changes. And I think sometimes we get so wedded to our widget that we don't think that it should change as the market changes. So if anything, I think it is value proposition and constantly thinking what the value proposition is that I offer the customers and the client because somebody else is thinking about the next one.
1: Yeah, well, one of the things that have come up uh, over time with me looking at uh, patents is um, artificial intelligence, the the AI. The big question that's, that's coming to Coming to light is—is is it AI or is it the inventor? Who invented it? You know, and uh, that's the big question that's 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 coming up here now with uh, intellectual property protection, because really the AI really could just take off and do a lot of things on its own. You know, sure
2: can. Yeah.
1: who is—is is it the program? Or did AI actually machine learn and upgrade its its ability? Yeah. So who, yeah. Who invented it? Who invented it? That's right. Yeah. That's, that's know, yeah. Situation.
2: the The one thing also that with technology and new innovations, a lot of people want to be first to market. Right. Uh first to the market can offer certain benefits, but it certainly offers some challenges also. It's almost want to be a second fast mover. Because a second fast mover can take advantage yeah. in, and and uh, take advantage of what they've learned from the first mover and move equally quickly with a new and improved product or service.
1: Yeah. Well, with that, we'll have to bring this podcast to an end. I want to express my gratitude to Mr. Jones uh, for sharing his his expertise and insights. And we're honored to have him join us in in this particular podcast today. And I want to remind those of you who are watching to take this opportunity and learn from our guests and strive to achieve your own goals and aspirations. Uh, Mr. Jones, where, where can we find you for future reference? Sure,
2: I am uh, certainly on the web and certainly at uh, uh, every social media is at Greg Jones is a Twitter, Twitter handle. And on LinkedIn, you'd find me as C. T. Greg Jones as well. And welcome the opportunity to chat further and offer some of my thoughts and experiences that I have uh, gained over my years as well.
1: I'm James Bennett, and I can be found at www.InnovativeSolutions.org. That's Innovative, one N, no E. InnovativeSolutions.org. Thank you for watching today, and we'll see you on the next podcast.
0: You've been tuning into We Solve Problems with your host, James D. Bennett II. Learn more about financial incentives to mitigate the risk to better your products at www.inovativsolutions.org, where you can find other episodes of this show. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, questions, and for sharing this with others.